evening and welcome to Insight. I am Gino, your host, and next to me, per usual, Mr. Matt Van Braven, soon to be Pastor Matt Van Braven. Actually, Matt, how are you, sir? I got my final paperback. Oh. I am done. Yeah. And well, I got what was, a, I, what's the verdict? I got a hundred. What? I got a hundred percent. No kidding. Awesome. Congratulations, man. Yeah, I got a hundred percent. The only complaint that they had was that my paper was too long. <laughs> Your thesis like, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, they're like, it was too long. <laughs> like we needed it like around like 800 to a thousand. You were somewhere in like the 2,500 range. It's like, I got a lot of, I got a lot to say. You asked me, you asked me to touch on some questions. Fair enough. I'm going to answer them, but I'm going to do it in my version of entirety. Yes. Well, congratulations, man. That's awesome. Yeah, um, yeah. And official. I ordered my certificates and everything. They'll be, they should be here by the 8th. And it is Matt's birthday tonight, folks. Yeah. So before we introduce our returning guests, let's just mm -hmm. wish him happy birthday. Happy birthday, brother. Thank Happy you. Birthday. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And of course, our returning guest for her eighth. Mika, was it eighth or nine? I think it's nine. I think it's nine. That nine record breaking ninth appearance. Part oh, two man. from last week's Armor of God series. An amazing right. teaching, by the way. Um, Miss Tremiko Thweet from GatherInc.org, Gather Inc. Ministries. You can check her out over on the web, folks. Uh, on YouTube, their YouTube channel is awesome. Lots of good stuff on their teachings. I was just complimenting her before we went live with her shorts. They're really good. A lot of good brief teachings there. And then also the website, gatherinc.org. You can visit that and get in contact if you have any questions. They also do deliverance ministry, folks. That's uh, one of their big, big things over there. And um, setting people free from a lot of baggage and bondage from the enemy. So, Miko, welcome back to Insight. How are you, sis? Thank you. I am doing well. Thanks for having me back. Well, it's always a pleasure. And last week's teaching was absolute fire. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't get to, I've listened to bits and pieces of it. And I just like, there's yeah. a lot to take in there. And I was oh, yeah. um, blown away because you have this knack. <clears throat> I know it's a God-given gift, but of being able to be succinct and to the point and um, very um, easy to understand. Like you're not using these big articulate words and elaborate, you know, sayings and like a lot of teachers do that and it just doesn't help. I mean, when you, yeah. when you can keep it simple, what is it? Keep it simple, stupid, right? KSS, yeah. you keep it simple, stupid, <laughs> <Yep>. people <laughs> get it like me. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so it's like, it's just, I don't know. It's just an amazing gift that you have. And I'm so uh, glad to have known you for the last, gosh, it's almost two years, I think. Um, and getting to, um, understand your, your talent and your gift and, and folks go back and watch last week's episode. We're going to do the rest of it tonight. The armor of God, you're going to want to know this because Miko, you made one point. If you remember anything about the armor of God, it's not what preyed was... on folks. <laughs> that was, that was the bombshell. That was like the, you know, the million dollar, uh, answer. Like it's not preyed on. And I know most Christians think you pray on the armor. So 
Miko, we're going to give you the floor and we will continue. And I believe we ended with the shield last week. Um, actually, let me let me throw this up here real quick just so people can see the armor of God. Yeah. <clears throat> yes, there it there is. There it is. Yes. Nice. We've got the so, breastplate, yeah. helmet, sword of the spirit, shield of mm -hmm. faith, uh, the shoes, uh, the gospel of peace, the shoes, and the belt of truth. Mm -hmm. So where are we going to start tonight? So we're going to start with the helmet of salvation. Um, right. Actually, maybe we should start, um, if you can't, I don't know if you have the ability to, but I think you have it in your notes, the Ephesians go back to that, the opening scripture, the theme yeah, scripture, sure. start there, and then I'll just pick up where we Absolutely. left off. So yep. um, the theme scripture here says, um, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And like I said last week, God is letting us know, if you do not put on the whole armor of God, what uh, Gino just showed in that, that illustration, you are not going to be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So don't think that you can just put, get the shield of faith, but I'm not going to put the helmet on. I'm not going to get the breastplate of righteousness. I'm not going to put the belt of truth on. I'm not going to shot my feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. As you see in this illustration, every piece of armor that I'm getting ready to read in Ephesians chapter six is vital. If you don't have every piece, if you don't look like this every single day, you will not be able to stand against the enemy. That is the revelation God has given us. So for us to do something contrary to what God said, but ex expect the same results of what he said, it's, it's not going to happen. And too many of us think that we can just uh, delete or add to God's word and it's still going to work perfectly the way that he said it would, according to how he said, unaltered. It's not going to happen. Whenever you alter the word, you just change what he said and you just change the results. So going back to that scripture in Ephesians, I'll finish reading. So it says here, um, put on the whole armor of God that, and I'm in verse 11, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And here, these are all spirit beings. So our enemy is not people, carnal, it is spirits. 13, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, which is the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shot your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. All of these four we covered in part one. Now part two, we're going to cover these and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And people leave this last one out. 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So, um, again, I just want to reiterate this because usually when I'm teaching this, people that miss parts of it, if they're coming in like on a live teaching, and I'm glad people ask the question, so definitely do. I had a question 
so um, we're doing this against people, right? And I'm like, no, we're not doing this against people. So I want to just keep saying that. Our enemy is in spirit form. It's the spirits using the people. If you disengage and knock out the spirit working through the person, then the person is going to stop the behaviors of attacking you. So we want to get to the root of the problem, not the symptom. People are the symptom. The root are the demonic spirits, the satanic powers influencing them to attack you because that's how they attack us is through people. Okay. Yeah, it's um, not, uh, we're not doing voodoo here. Exactly. <laughs> There's no little pins in a doll or anything. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. This is for yep. protection in the spirit. Yep. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> excellent. Right. So let's start with picking up with the fifth piece of armor, which is the helmet of salvation. So like I did um, last Wednesday, we're going to take a look at the natural application of the armor, and then we're going to parallel that with God's spiritual use of this. Then I'll we'll go through scripture and then I'll explain how do you wear it or how do you use it? Because you can't pray this on. And as I stated last week, we're going to see that every piece of armor is just the word of God used differently and skillfully in a different way. That's why you can't pray this on. These are things that you have to actually implement in your life by doing it, putting it on. And I said last Monday, uh, last Wednesday, you can't pray on the armor of God any more than you can pray your clothes on every day. You have to put it on. So helmet of salvation in the natural, a helmet helps prevent injuries to your head. So when you're in battle, you don't want swords, blades slicing your head open. So the helmet of salvation spiritually protects your mind or your thoughts from doubt and fear which will work to sabotage your walk with God. And I cannot tell you the amount of times I'll talk to people and they're so full of doubt or fear as it relates to their walk with God because they're just not sure. Am I really on the road to salvation? Am I not? Am I pleasing God? Am I not pleasing him? And a lot of this comes from number one, not knowing about the born again process, but then number two, not knowing scripture because once you're born again that's not it that's just put it that's just you going through the registration table and getting your little sticker to put on your chest to now start running that race the race from that point on once you're born again is to learn the word of god be a disciple of christ and live the word every single day in the midst of tribulation persecution affliction all these different things that the enemy is going to throw your way to try to get you off course of salvation. Okay, so let's look at the first scripture, which is going to be 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21, and God's word translation. So 1 Peter chapter 3 and 21 in God's word translation. So we'll, I'm going to read it and then unpack it and then we'll keep going. So this says baptism, which is like that water. Let me pause. If you go back and read this, what Peter is talking about here is um, Noah and the ark. And it talks about how the ark saved them um, and they were in this boat on the waters. And so what you have to understand about during Noah's day is that the waters washed away all sin. It washed away all corruption 
because everyone that was operating contrary to the word of God that chose not to repent got drowned by those waters. So while it saved those waters, saved Noah and his family, it washed away all the sin through all the people that was operating in high levels of corruption. So this says baptism, which is like that water now saves you. So we're learning here, baptism saves you. It is not just a sign of an outward expression of an inward commitment that you make. When you really start to study what God says about baptism and why it's necessary, you really start to understand the fullness and weight and impact of why water baptism in the name of Jesus is essential. So this says baptism, which is like that water now saves you. Baptism doesn't save by removing dirt from the body. Rather, baptism is a request to God for a clear conscience. It saves you through Jesus Christ, who came back from death to life. So let's start to unpack this. Um, and I'll kind of do a little bit more explanation because usually people that I teach to have had the four teachings and understanding of scripture. But when you start to look at scripture, uh, Jesus went to John the Baptist, who in the flesh was his cousin, but we know spiritually Jesus Christ is God. So Jesus is showing us as human beings how we have to live the things that we must do, which is not a negotiable. So he goes to John the Baptist and he's like, hey, you need to baptize me. And John's like, yo, I'm not even worthy to unloose like your shoes. How am I going to, to baptize you? And if you go back and read that incident in Matthew chapter three, verse 15, the statement that Jesus Christ makes is that you must do this so that we can fulfill our righteousness. So one, a part of fulfilling righteousness is to get baptized. And we saw in that illustration where Christ getting water baptized, he went down in the water, full submersion came up, then the spirit came upon him. And God did it in such a way that people could see it. So it would be no doubting that Jesus is the Christ. He's the Messiah. So we're not going to have that same dove experience, but um, we have a different experience. But the Holy Spirit, um, he got baptized in the Holy Spirit. So now moving forward, before Christ leaves, he makes a statement. And I think we took a look at it. We did. We took a look at it, but I didn't break this part down. We took a look at it last week, last week on Wednesday. In Luke chapter 24, verses 46 through 47, Christ makes the statement that he had to die, um, be dead three days, was resurrected, and that all of the apostles and disciples were to go forth and start to preach repentance in the name of Jesus and remission of sins in the name of Jesus. When you study scripture in Hebrews 9 and 22, God reveals that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. When you go to Matthew 26 and 28 at the Last Supper, Christ is talking to his disciples and apostles that were there. And he says to them, he took the cup because they did basically what we call communion. When he took the blood, he, the cup, he says, this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. So let's go back to the original law that God set. You can't remit sins. You cannot cancel sins without the blood of Jesus. Christ lets them know before he dies, it is going to be my blood that is going to remit sins because I have to do everything according to the way the word of God was laid out. There's a law that was laid out before I even came as a human being so that I could follow this law to rescue everybody from their sins. 
So then he dies, he sheds his blood. But remember, he made the statement after he died, before he went back to heaven, now that I've died. So they understand as being Hebrews, blood remits sins. Christ says at the Last Supper, it is going to be my blood that's going to remit sins. Then he dies, sheds his blood. After three days, he's resurrected. He spends 40 days on earth, only revealing himself to those who believed in him. And then before he leaves, he tells them, go preach remission of sins in my name. Then the next thing you see is that the approximate 120 receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit and have a, the sign of speaking with other tongues. Then Peter goes out and starts speaking to all these Jews from all these other nations who all speak different languages and says to them, all of you have to repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So let's backtrack this because they understood everything. Okay, so blood is needed to remit sins. Christ told us that it is his blood that is going to cancel sins. Without his blood, there is no cancellation of sins. So then he tells them after he raises from the dead before he leaves to go to heaven, hey, preach remission of sins in my name. Why does he tell them to do that? Because he's not leaving jars of blood for everybody to use throughout all dispensations of time. But you know what you can use to apply my blood? Use my name. Because you can't separate the blood of Jesus Christ from the name of Jesus no more than you can separate water from being wet. The two go together and it is inseparable. So what you're going to do is you're going to take my name. And when you take people down in water and say in the name of Jesus, because I am, that's my name as God, but I am the father, I am the son, I am the Holy Spirit. Take them down in my name in Jesus. And then when you do, my blood will be applied and it will wash away all sins. But don't stop there because he told Nicodemus to be born again. You got to be born of water and spirit. So the complete package of being born again is being born of water and spirit. As we saw Christ did with John the Baptist to fulfill our righteousness. So when you have that understanding, I know 100% I'm right with God. As long as I continue from there, I leave the registration table, start to learn the word of God and live it. There is no doubt in my mind about salvation because I know I'm following the word of God as he laid it out for me to receive full forgiveness of my sin and to stay in right fellowship with him. But when you don't have that knowledge, people are always questioning and wondering, am I right with him? Am I not right with him? If I die today, what will happen to my soul? Well, Satan can definitely use that. That is a blow to your mind. You're not wearing your helmet of salvation. You're not protecting your mind or your thoughts from fear, from doubt that will, will ultimately, I'm telling you, it will sabotage your walk with God. And Satan and demons and satanic powers will get the victory. There is nothing anybody could ever say to me to make me doubt that I am on the right track of receiving full salvation when I die. Because, and the reason why I say it like that, there's always room to mess up. You're not safe till you dead and you with him. Because there are people who have walked with him for 50 years and at the end of their life, they just went crazy and started doing all kinds of stuff. And like, you gotta live the life. So um, there's another scripture we'll look at, but let me just kind of pause right there. I don't know if anyone has thoughts or questions or comments. Matt, any comments? questions um yeah 
<laughs> yeah, I have comments and questions. Um, no, but honestly, I, I couldn't agree more because I think that that's one of the things that's, that's one of the things that we really need to work on honing our skills is protecting our minds. You know, uh, knowing when knowing when these attacks are happening and kind of calling them, calling them out for what they are and, and taking them captive because your mind can easily wander. It can easily wander. And that's when that's when you get into the woods, you know, that's when you get lost in the woods. And that's where all those threats come your way because you start feeling anxiety, you start feeling that fear, you start feeling that doubt, the issues with, uh, you know, concepts of worth. You know, all these ways that our, the devil attacks our character or gets us to attack our own character, get this here, in our own voice. Mm -hmm. That's something, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I'm my own worst enemy speaking to myself in my own voice. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, that's a good point. I never really absolutely. thought about that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And Matt, you're absolutely right. It gets people every single time. Um, and that's why God, and God knows all of this, right? That's why he says, there's a helmet of salvation. But number one, if I don't understand what salvation is, why I need salvation, because we know there are people that I don't need God, I got money, or I got this, or I got that. So there's all type of reasons why people don't think that they need the salvation of God. And then there are people who just don't understand the things about salvation because there isn't proper teaching going on as a whole. And I, I say that as a whole, because as I said before, there's a remnant for sure out there who is doing exactly what God said to do. The problem is it's more people not doing it than is doing it. And it can be hard for people to find those people that are actually speaking what God said. So if you don't ha have an understanding or people are just going back to, I don't know if it was Gino or, or Matt that said this last week, kept saying it, people are lazy, right? So you could be in a place in a space where it is being taught, but you just too lazy to pay attention, crack your book open, make sure you really get it inside of your heart to be stuck inside of your heart. And so this is the result of that laziness. This is the result of not, study it and having that teaching about salvation because if we truly don't understand salvation guess who does understand it satan principalities powers rulers of darkness spiritual wickedness and high places and they want to do everything that they can to make sure that you don't understand this and then that is where they can really creep into your thoughts and your minds and i've had people tell me they have been tormented in their minds because they actually hear demons speaking to them and they'll say things like, God doesn't love you. You're going to hell and this and that. And they may be on the right path, but because they don't understand and have this helmet of salvation on to protect their mind, to protect their thoughts from all of the lies that the enemy will speak, all of the deceit that the enemy is going to throw your way, all of the error that the, the enemy is going to try to shoot your way that strays from the truth. If you have that helmet on, that's going to protect your mind. But then again, we talked about the bre uh, the belt of truth on last week. If I have the belt of truth on, I know what the truth of God's word says about salvation. So there's no way you can lie to me and it be successful, try to throw deceit my way and it be successful. I hope you're starting to see how all these pieces of armor are going together. Then I use my faith, my shield of faith to quench that fiery dart because I know what the word of God says since 
faith comes through the word of God and the way that I exercise faith is by obeying that word. Every piece of armor is important. So, um, all right. So let's go to the next scripture. And then I've already been saying it, but I'll go through after this one, how you wear uh, the um, helmet of salvation. So we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 10 and look at verse 22 in the easy to read version. So again, Hebrews 10, 22 in the easy to read. This says here, sprinkle with the blood of Christ. Our hearts have been made free from a guilty conscience and our bodies have been washed with pure water. So come near to God with a sincere heart, full of confidence because of our faith in Christ. Okay, how does faith come? We know through Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing the word of God. So when I hear the word of God say, you need to get water baptized in the name of Jesus. You need to get filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to be a studier of my word, study to show that self-approved, renew your mind by the word of God so you cannot be conformed to this world, but transformed by the word of God and live that. When I start to operate in all of that, guess what my confidence is? It's high, full of assurance. But if I'm not doing those things, if I'm not studying the word, if I know he says certain things, but I'm like, uh, I don't need to do that. I'm going to do part of what he said, but not all of what he said. That is where you are going to have uncertainty in your walk, as you should. Because anytime we say, I can take it or leave it when God says something, mm -mm, you got to do everything that he says. So it talks about the sprinkling with the blood of Christ has made us free from guilt. And that our bodies have been washed. Again, we're going back to the water baptism. Because what we have to understand, water baptism in the name of Jesus accomplishes one thing. But then baptism in the Holy Spirit accomplishes a whole nother thing. So when we're water baptized in the name of Jesus, again, that is to receive full forgiveness of all of our sins, past, present, like all those different things. It washes away sin so that we can be now transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God. But then when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, one, you're receiving the spirit of God inside of your human spirit, which changes your nature spiritually, but you also receive the power of God. And you're also, you also become a member of the body of Christ, which is the church. And there's literal scriptures. All I'm saying is what God said in scripture. All of those things are happening. So if you do one and not the other, you do none, you're missing out on all of these different things that is important for salvation. So when it talks about the sprinkling of blood and that we're made free of guilt and our conscience is right, my conscience is right because I know that I have repented of my sins, that I have been water baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, that I am baptized in the Holy Spirit. I had a sign of speaking with other tongues and I still do it. I study the word of God often. I actually live in the word of God that I know. And I'm again, forever studying and meditating until I go to be with him because I'll never be done with transforming myself into Christ. So all of this causes me to have full assurance. I am right with God. I have my helmet of salvation on. But if I'm not doing these things, of course you're gonna have doubts. Of course you're gonna be operating in fear if uh, of the questions, am I right with God? If I die today, what's really going to happen? So I want you to see how this is not something you can pray on. 
you have to actually do these things. You have to implement them in your life. So let's just summarize. How do you wear the helmet of salvation? You wear the helmet of salvation by having 100% confidence that your sins have been canceled by being born again through water baptism in the name of Jesus, baptism in the Holy Spirit comes with the sign of speaking with tongues. Otherwise, how do you know? We'll be getting into some of that a little later according to the word of God. But then also when you do these things, you'll have this confident mind regarding salvation that cannot be injured by the enemy's lies. You don't have that guilt there, that condemnation there, that fear. I cannot tell you how much doubt I used to live in and how much fear that used to be there when I didn't know, like, am I right with God? What does he say? How can we know? And there's people that say, well, you can really never know certain things about God. Well, the things that we need to know as human beings to make it to eternity he has put it all in the Bible. And it is so interesting how years later you can come across stuff and be like, dang, that was there the whole time. I never even saw that. He put it all there, y'all. So he's never going to not inform us of what we need to know and he's and then judge us by it. That would make him an unfair God. So the fact that he's going to judge us according to his word means that he put everything in there that we need to know about life, this walk, and all of that. So I'll pause there um, before we move to the next one. Well, I just want to address our cessationist friends. I know there's always going to be people that do not believe in the gifts that they've continued, some of the gifts anyway. And um, there's actually a movie out right now talking about that. Um, That's a debate for another day, another show. Um, Not that anybody's debating right now, but I just want to throw that out there (laughs) as a disclaimer. I believe in all the gifts. Um, I've witnessed the gifts. I practiced some of them myself. Um, and they are very beneficial to our spiritual walk and you don't have to believe it. You're just, you know, unfortunately, I think you miss out on quite a bit of, um, especially in warfare, like we're talking about today, um, because there are times when we don't know what to pray, right? There's, there's times where we're just, uh, or we're confused. The enemy's, you know, gotten into the camp, so to speak. So I just wanted to, to touch base with that, but very, very well said, Miko, as always, um, you know, the helmet also protects us from from falling down and bumping our head and getting a concussion and being confused and disoriented and all those things too. And, you know, when you're in the battle, obviously Roman soldiers were out in battle um, against their enemies. Uh, They were on rocks. They were on unstable ground so they could slip, fall and hit their head. And then what happens if you go, you get knocked unconscious, you get killed. (laughs) There's, you got a big big old sword going right through your heart. So, (laughs) yeah. So I think that's also important to, to, you know, to bring up. So uh, anyway, Matt, Matt, you're jumping around again, that internet of yours, man. I don't know what's up with Zoom. <laughs> you look ro- you, like a robot again. The sound's good, though. Well, it is yeah. what it is. So any comments, Matt? No, I agree with you. I agree 100%. I yeah. think I think she's breaking it down pretty clearly and concisely. And I absolutely agree. I also agree with you, Gino, about the fact that, you know, the gifts the Holy Spirit came as our ever-present help because we need assistance at times. We don't always do, we don't always know the right things to do, but you know, that's where, that's where the the giftings can, can definitely assist you in those things. And so, yeah, I agree with you 100%. 
we're all in one accord right here, even though I'm bouncing around and I'm super glitchy. <laughs> That's okay. Hey, hey St Stacks, good to see you, man. <laughs> Did you see Stacks' sticker in my thing? I see it. See it. There's, I, I don't know if you can see thing. it. Miko, there's a sticker in the chat. I see it. A, I'm looking at okay. it. You guys <laughs> when got you the said helmet. it, I was looking for it. <laughs> That's good stuff. Hilarious. Right. Perfect. Okay. All right, so the sixth weapon, or not weapon, but the piece of armor that we're going to look at is the Sword of the Spirit. So let's talk about the natural use of a sword, and then we're going to get into the spiritual use of a sword. So a sword is an offensive weapon. So most of the armor we've looked at already is more defensive than it is offensive. Yeah, with the shield, it's defensive, but sometimes you can use it to butt up against your enemy. You can kind of use that offensively, but the sword that's all that's that's offensive we are coming to take some heads off so a sword is an offensive weapon a sword is used for cutting and thrusting more easily now here's the thing about a double-edged sword a double-edged sword has a blade on both sides so it can cut at every point of contact with every movement. If you just had a blade on one side of the sword and then the other side was dull, you wouldn't have as much contact as far as cutting and like having the victory over your enemy. So no matter how I thrust my sword, it is cutting and it is slicing and it is get back jack. That's what this sword is communicating. So the word of God acts as a double-edged sword. When here's the thing, double-edged. When spoken and obey and that was something that the lord recently showed me and i was just like that is awesome and i'll show you what why god said that as i continue to go through this section of the lesson so it's a double bladed sword when spoken and obey and can easily cut at every point and movement and can thrust the enemy back so again you can't pray this this is something that there's literal scriptures that you need to be speaking when you're going into warfare when you pray prayers it should be based off scripture because the word of god is what has power when powered through the holy spirit right so as i'm speaking prayers that are based in scripture or as i just flat out just speak scripture and i'm obeying that it is a sword that is cutting and slicing the enemy and they're like, okay, we need to get back. And I'm going to show a literal example of this in just a moment. So let's just start off looking at what scripture says about this sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Let's go in the New King James Version. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. So Hebrews 4 and 12. And God reveals here, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword piercing even to the to the division of the soul and spirit and what you have to understand the soul and spirit is so closely intertwined but they're different they're not the same and people confuse that only this word of god can can divide the soul from spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart but what we want to focus on in this passage is that the word of god is sharper than a two-edged sword piercing our sword is the word of god so if you're not speaking no word you're not piercing no demons principalities powers 
rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. You just can't speak these cliches and quotes and rhythm and rhymes that people like to speak. You're not doing nothing. All the enemy is doing is laughing because you're not cutting them. You're not slicing them. You're not moving them to get back. So it is essential that we're speaking the word of God because every time you speak the word, that's you taking your sword and you're wielding it. And you speak another word, you're wielding it. You speak another word, you're wielding it. You speak another word. And they're like, okay, all right, let me get back. But anyone who just speaking rhymes and cliches that has nothing to do with the word, they just like, they steady coming close. Like you, you're not cutting me. You're not doing nothing because you're a joke right now. Go ahead. Uh, Well, I was just going to say this becomes very apparent when you're in deliverance like you you see this in action because that word they can't stand the word (laughs) like it is like fire to them like yeah yeah. like and it's and i know it sounds like if you've never been around deliverance or never seen it i know it sounds crazy and all this stuff but i'm telling you it's not as crazy as you think because it's going on around you whether you know it or not or like it or not so you might as well just face up to it that we are in a spiritual war every single day. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, just like we read earlier in Ephesians 6. And that that word is so powerful. I mean, I, I know in my personal life, Miko, when I've had like weird things going on, you know, things I couldn't really explain. And then all of a sudden I'm like, wait a minute, wait, I see what's going on here. And then you rebuke it in the name mm-hmm. of Jesus Christ and start quoting scripture. It's powerful. I mean, that thing leaves like I, you can literally feel it leave. You can feel a presence leave you. Um, I want to address Adam Hugapug said, uh, please look at the Greek word used for sword also in Hebrews 4.12. Um, well, the word I looked up was, um, well, good luck trying to say it. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> Couldn't tell you how to say it. Um, I'm going to guess it's Zyphos, maybe. Is that, the word you're, is, that, is that the word you're thinking of, Adam? Uh, it says... Uh, let's see, sword, blade, foil, or, or um, saber, spatula. What, uh, there must be something I'm missing here. Adam, tell me what uh, what that, that means. Go ahead. Uh, Mika, I'm going to let you go ahead, and then we'll see okay. what Adam's uh, comment is on that. Okay. So as he types that in, we're going to go to a second scripture to support um, that the word of God. Um, well, third, because the first one said it that we read. But we'll go to Revelation 19 and 15 in the New King James Version. So in Revelation 19, 15, this is talking about Christ when he makes his return, his second advent back to the earth. Um, and this is the battle of Armageddon. He comes back from heaven. So it says here, now out of his, being Jesus Christ, out of his mouth goes a sharp sword um, that with it, he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule with, he will rule them with a rod of iron he himself treads the wine press of the fierceness and wrath of almighty God. So let's focus on the first part. Out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. And I know sometimes you read that, and and I know a lot of people have struggled with uh, the book of Revelation just because uh, there's a lot of symbols going on. And in order to know what the symbol is, you have to, he gives it to you earlier in the Bible. So you can't go to some outside sources and say, oh, a sword means this or a dragon means this or whatever. No, because it could mean that in China, but it can mean something completely different in God's kingdom So, or in the world and stuff like that. So when you start to study scripture, he actually gives you, like when it talks about the seven stars in the hand, if you read it, he tells you what the stars are and stuff like that. So 
and if you can't find it in the book of revelation sometimes you find it in daniel and jeremiah and all those different things so that's how you decode the book of revelation through the other books okay so with that i used to when i was younger be like i know there's not like a literal sword coming out of your mouth like but i'm trying to picture it and the lord was like go back in my word what did i say a sword was and uh, as I got older, I'm like, oh, the sword is the word of God. So he's just going to come back and just start flat out just speaking a word. And it's going to start annihilating folks, cutting them up, killing them, all of that. And I'm just like, oh, my God, your word is so powerful. Like, you're not even going to come with like a literal sword. You like, I'm just coming back and speaking my word because that is the sword. And I was just like, wow, God is amazing, y'all. <laughs> John one says he is the word, right? Yes. He, he became is. flesh. So, you know, yep. that, yeah, it's, I think, um, yeah, he's got, I, I, who knows what he's going to speak, but he doesn't even have, he could literally not even speak and still destroy his enemies. It doesn't exactly. matter, but he is going to just, I guess, to show yep. off for us. But, um, yeah. I think it's just going to be really cool when that, that does happen and all the enemies are thrown down and cast out forever. It's for going to sure. be an amazing, yeah. amazing thing. Yep. Yes, it is. So did he get it up before? I okay. Going? He said the sword that turns in every direction. Oh, that's interesting. Yep. Okay, cool. Yep. When you will and then he's double edge. Well, yeah. Stack said, said that. Oh, Stack. Sorry. Yeah. And then uh, Adam said, uh, Makira, a short sword or dirk. It implies a need to study the word to gain skill. Okay. So Makira is that, see now I, the word that popped up for me was, um, Zyphos. Zyphos. Cause I was looking at, I was looking at the same time as you were and that's what I was getting. So mm -hmm. I wasn't, but I didn't get to, I didn't get to look for very long before you were like, Oh, let me touch base on this. And I was like, okay. well, I'm going to look, I'll look in Hebrews 412 when Miko's teaching here. Cause I'm going to, I, my uh, interlinear and I'll check out. Okay. Go ahead, Miko. Sorry. Awesome. No, awesome. I'm mm -hmm. loving it. So yeah. So a sword that turns in every direction, right? Because it's double bladed and no matter how you wield that, turn that it is cutting. So let me just start to outlay some things, which I know a lot of people may be familiar with. If not, you can go back in your own time and read Luke chapter four, verses one through 13, but I'm just going to talk it out. So this is where Christ was in the wilderness and he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and then Satan shows up. So what God wants me to show you through this is how he used the word of God as a sword and it's double bladed, right? Because not only did he speak the word of God against the enemy, but he actually obeyed that same word. The sword doesn't have power if you speak it and then disobey it. And unfortunately, and I don't know about you, but I have come from a circle of people who say they love God and follow God, but they are so disobedient. And so it does you no good to quote scripture and then turn around and disobey it. You're not cutting nothing. You're not doing anything because the thing that makes the sword active and so offensive towards the enemy and cuts no matter how you wield it is that it's double bladed by you speaking the word and obeying the word. So let's look at Christ showing us how to use this sword. So the first thing that Satan did when he came to Christ is that he used the temptation of the lust of the flesh. And so he tells him, you know, if you're hungry, you know, turn these stones into bread and, you know, you can eat and be satisfied, basically. He's trying to get him to appeal to his carnal desires 
which carnal in a sense, I'm not saying of simple because you can use carnal in two different ways, but just carnal in the sense that naturally he was hungry and his flesh is like, let's eat something. And so what Satan tried to do was appeal to the lust of the flesh. And Christ says to him that we are to live not by bread alone, but by every word of God. That was him speaking the word. But then if he would have turned around and made the stones bread and ate them, what good was that going to do? So he spoke the word, then obeyed the word by continuing on in the course of the direction that he was supposed to go without turning the stones into bread. Then the second temptation was the lust of the eyes. Um, I believe this is where, and actually let me pull this up just to make sure um, I give you the illustration correctly because I really want to make sure we go through this because uh, it's just really important to show how God uses the word of God as a sword, but then also showing us how we are also to use the word of God as a sword. So in Luke chapter four, I'm going to pick that up. Um, we started in 13. So the second temptation, let me just scroll down. It says here, um, do, 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 sorry. So he tells him the first one, as I said, is to turn this, turn it into bread. It says, then the devil take him up on a high mountain show him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment. And the devil said to him, all this authority, I will give you their glory for they have been delivered to me and I give it to whomever I will. Therefore, if you will worship me, and let me just make sure that was the second one. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he said, if you will bow down and worship me, then I'll give all these things to you. But then this was Satan appealing to the lust of the eyes because he takes him up on this high mountain and he's like, see, look at all the kingdoms. Don't you want this? If you just bow down and worship me, I'll give all of this to you. And that's currently what's going on today. If you look at people in the entertainment industry, sports industry, music industry, Satan is basically like, I'll give you fame. I'll give you fortune. Even in government, I'll give you power. I'll give you status. All you got to do is just bow down and worship me. I'll give it all to you. He's basically trying to get Christ to sell his soul. And he like, absolutely not. He tells him, get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. That was the second time Christ wielded his sword. He spoke the word of God. He didn't take time to say, we're not saying, you know, I'm not supposed to be doing all of that. Cut all the chit chat out. Just speak the word of God. He instantly spoke the word of God and shut up. But then he obeyed the word of God. He didn't speak the word of God and say, get back. I'm only supposed to worship God only. And then say, I'll worship you if you go ahead and give it to me. Okay, now the sword is ineffective. You have to speak the word, live it. Speak, live. That's the double blade to the sword. So let's look at the third thing. Satan comes a third time and tries to tempt him with the pride of life. It says, then he brought Christ to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, appealing to pride, are you who you say you are? Because most people are like, oh, let me show you who I am. Christ like, no, nah, no, nah, you're not about to get me all up into pride and ego. So he says, uh, if you are the son of God, which he know he is, Satan knew he was, that's what I mean. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands, they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. 
again, here comes Christ wielding the sword both ways. He says, and Jesus answered and said to him, it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. So he says the word, but then he also lives the word. He doesn't now command legions of angels to come catch him, at least he dash his foot. You have to speak the word, live the word, speak the word, live the word, speak the word, live the word. You can't pray this. And those who speak the word, but don't live it. That's why you a joke in the spirit realm. That's why angels can't move. That's why demons, principalities, powers, they tearing you up. Because if you talk to any worker in Satan's kingdom, they will tell you they cannot touch the Christian who lives the word and operates by the word of God. Now, if you're not living by the word of God, they like, we love people like that who think that they save, who think they, they write with God. They're like, we can turn them up all day long. Satan could not do anything with Christ. And it says in verse 13, now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until a more opportune time. When you get the enemy to back off of you in spiritual warfare, they're going to retreat. But because you can't kill spirits, they don't die. They'll eventually come back when they strengthen their wounds, lick their wounds or try to find a stronger demon or principality or whatever to come after you. But what God wants me to show here is that this is how you use the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. When the enemy comes attacking, speak the word. But the problem is if you don't know no word or if you know little word, okay, if you know no word, you can't even yield the sword. If you know little word, you can only, eh, and then you done. If you know medium amount of word, you can get a couple of swing in, but then they're going to get the best of you because war is all about attrition. It's yep. about who can wear who down and be the last one standing. But if you know days of word, you could just be swinging so kingdom come. Like, we can do this all night. We can do this all day. We can do this all year. Sword we can do this dance. Yeah. Exactly. And then they like, all right. That's what Satan was like. All right. I done got cut too many times. Let me just go back. I'm going to retreat. I'm going to come back, though. Yeah. But I'm going to take a break. So I'll right. pause before I start to get into more. The scripture that came to mind was resist the devil and he will flee. And how do we resist the devil? Again, it's by your actions, because if you're partaking in a secret life that no one sees and you have mm -hmm. vices and we all have vices, we just have to resist them. We have to fight that temptation. If that's hidden, the enemy knows that they're watching you like a hawk. Mm -hmm. uh, the familiar spirits, they're around. They know your family history. They know lineage. They know generational curses, all of that stuff. So it's, it's not surprising when someone says, well, I'm doing all those things. Well, yeah, but you're not living. That's the difference. And that's why Jesus Jesus reiterates this over and over again. So does actually Paul, all the apostles did, really. Um, talking about behavior. That yours, your lifestyle is different from the unbeliever. And it needs to be apparently different. Yeah. So people recognize that he's living in you and living through you. But that's the only way he flees. He doesn't flee by you telling him get lost and you're living in exactly. sin. It just doesn't doesn't work that way. Exactly. Absolutely. Because he sees himself in you. So he's not getting ready to go anywhere. So I love that. Absolutely. So I've said it, but let me just reiterate because I have at the end of each one, how to use. So let's talk about how to use the sword of the spirit. The way to use the sword of the spirit as a double edged sword is the same way we just saw Christ did with the devil in the wilderness by speaking the word of God, then obeying the word of God to cut 
down Satan's lies and deception and to thrust Satan back, to thrust the satanic powers back, to thrust the principalities, powers, rules of darkness, spiritual wickedness, and demons back. What makes the word of God a double-edged sword is that one side of the sword is us speaking the word, but the other side of that sword is us obeying the word of God, which goes back to you got to act on the word. If you look at the word act in a different translation, like King James Version, it says works. So there's different kinds of works. This is not the works of Old Testament where I have to earn righteousness. This is the works where I have to put actions to the word of God that I hear. What is the point of learning the word if I'm not going to act on it? Yeah, it's the good deeds, of, right? Yeah. yeah. Good well, deeds will follow. Good deeds, yep. It's And obedience it, to what he's yeah. telling you to do. Yeah. Yep. If he says, if he says, you know, forgive, I'm forgiven. If he says, mm -hmm. don't operate in envy, I'm not operating in envy. If he says, when it's in your power to do good, I have to do that. If he says, do not seek revenge because vengeance is mine, I have to do that. Those are actions. Those are works. That is me working the word in my life. So, right. and and it gets a bad rap, and that's why I'm just really explaining that because that is literally what James said. He said, if I don't have works to yes. my faith. It's dead. If you look that word works up, he says, if I'm not acting on the word, it's dead. So just want to make sure I say that. Unfortunately, it's been conflated together. That's that's there's there's yeah. so much imbalance in Christendom. Like I, it's and it's, the you know, depending on the denomination and the, the sect and all that stuff, I get it. And, yeah. you know, there's obviously differences of opinions and some of this stuff. But it's I think like the works thing has always been very clear. I don't see where the contradiction could come. I mean your behavior is going to is going to be a reflection of who you're following of your master if you're following yeah. after jesus there's going to be good works following you and there's going to be yeah. you're going to be obeying his voice and doing the things he's called you to do yeah um i want to touch on what adam had said about the sword so uh, he said i have seen xiphos used in place of machira in different sources i looked it up and sure enough uh in thayer's it says a large knife used for killing animals and cutting up flesh a small sword as distinguished from a large sword could also be a curved sword for cutting st cutting stroke and a straight sword for thrusting. Um, that was in Thayer's. So let me see. Equivalent. Yeah. So yeah, that's weird. I would have never known that, Adam, that there was actually, they used two different Greek words for that. And I, I wonder why the translators did that. Have, that's, that's an interesting thing to look up. Because yep. words do matter, I got to say. There's been a lot of times when I've looked at scripture and then you're like, oh, I'll be darned. <laughs> Look <Yeah>. at that. <laughs> and it, exactly it, right. it just totally changes. You're like, oh my gosh, I see it so much clearer now. So, exactly. Yeah. And then he yeah. also said, Isaiah 59, 17, cloak of zeal and garment and the garment of vengeance, question mark. Cloak of zeal and the garment of 5917. Okay, I'll look that up too. Okay, okay Miko. Uh, Matt, Matt oh. anything, bro? No, I, I just think it, it. You know, you were you were talking about the fact that you know the whole concept of faith between faith and works, and like and now how things have gotten kind of like a gray area. Even back in biblical times, Paul and James debated about this. Like they actually debated about that very fact. You know, it's like two people that are under the same teaching still put their own kind of like perception on the whole thing. You know, Paul talks about it in Romans where he says, like, we're justified by faith apart from works of the law. And then James 
touches on it in his book, James 2, where it says a person's not justified by faith alone. Like they literally, they kind of are battling each other. Well, no, so, they, he's actually in agreement with James. I was just going to say the same thing. He agrees he's, with he's, James. He's saying yeah, because, that you don't have to do the works exactly. of the law to earn right. So remember, there's two different yeah. works. So right. they, they never they never contradict each no other. Everybody flow. No. All disciples and apostles flow together, and they all spoke the same message. They never contradict read that Matt. Read that first one again in Romans. I We're justified Romans. by faith apart from works of the law. That's Romans three twenty eight. Yeah, exactly. Apart from works of the, of the law. Law. Of the law. Law. Mm -hmm. The yeah. law. Yeah. yeah, and the works of the law was you have to keep every letter of the law to earn righteousness. The works that James talks about is not the works of the law. That's what I kept saying. There's two different works. There's the works of the law, and then there's works of faith. And so even Paul preached, you have to keep the word of God. That's why he kept, if you read all the letters, it's him saying, do y'all say y'all came to Christ? You better live like it. Why are you <laughs> sleeping with your husband's? with your father's wife why are you guys operating in fornication how y'all worshiping diana after i left who bewitched you who did that that's him saying guys you got a little word of god so he's in agreement with james they don't contradict it's two different works works of the law and then works of faith okay and then i looked up uh, isaiah 59 17 cloak of zeal it says uh, for he put on righteousness as his breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. And I'm, this must be a prophecy about Jesus, I'm guessing. Uh, I need more context. But anyway, yeah. So that is interesting that the armors in Isaiah also. Um, where else is it? I, there's also um, references to the armor in is it Ezekiel. Ah, I can't remember. I'd have to look that up. But. It's somewhere. It is interesting. I mean, the word of God is just amazing. When you, I mean, mm -hmm. 40, what is it? 40 different authors. Um, yep. What is it? Three different continents, 66 yeah. books across like, yep. you know, 2,500 years, 3,000 years, whatever. Yeah. Like, it's just insane. Like, and nobody oh, contradicts the other. Nothing. Because it's, nothing. it's God speaking and telling them, yep. hey, write this down or hey, say this. And the, when we teach and gather, what we explain is scripture explains scripture. Like you don't, you really don't have to go to an outside source. We, I do know there are other outside sources that do support what God has already said, because you can't deny what he said, you know, but scripture explains scripture. And as you said, you know, you have all these different people who scribe the word of God as God told it to them. And it was through all, all different generations and times and nothing contradicts the other. That's how you know it's God, because you can listen to one person write a book and they contradicted themselves five different times, six different times. Uh, yep. I'm like, well, you just said this, now you contradicted yourself. And that's why nobody has ever disproved successfully <laughs> the Bible, because it's seamless. There's no contradiction. And I don't know how many different languages were spoke between all those different people, too. And then, you know, if you bring up a the, lot. A lot, yeah. I don't know how many, but a lot. Um, you know, Miko, you brought up the point that... Um, that uh now i just forgot what i was gonna say <laughs> you said that. You i know blank. so many thoughts oh my gosh i was thinking too fast you said something about oh gosh what was it i said the language ah it'll come to me in a second i had i wanted to say something because it was important scripture. i don't know i can't remember i, I lost okay. it it'll come the train left the station if you get it, train... you stop 
it's it's matt's old age catching up with me for his birthday <laughs> i was looking up actually trying to figure out how many references in the bible there are about the armor of god and i've seen a whole bunch of different ones some say that there's 30 some say there's 25 this stillfaith.com says there's 77 bible verses about the armor of god wow mm. It's important. So that's what we're learning, right? <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, I don't know who's right or who's wrong, aside from like fact checking myself, like going through and yeah. we and ain't I got time for 77 scriptures. Head, I don't know the actual verses, but there are, I do know other scriptures that mention, it may not mention them all together, but it may mention a piece here or a piece there and stuff like that. So yeah, for sure. But yeah, so with this sword of the spirit, as we see, you know, if Jesus Christ would have only spoken the word to Satan, then disobeyed it, again, he would have been totally ineffective, totally unsuccessful in using his sword. So Jesus Christ did not only speak the word, but he also, to Satan, he also obeyed that same word that he spoke, which activated the word of God to be that sword that was able to cut, cut and thrust the enemy back. And another thing I want to say too about because I just mentioned that war is about attrition, which means that it's wearing the opponent down. So that can mean the enemy trying to wear you down or you wearing the enemy down. You need to be the one wearing the enemy down so that they back down. But to speak one or two prayers, because that's typically sometimes when I talk to people, well, you know, I pray, well, how often were you praying? I mean, I said a prayer, it's good for all time, right? Uh, no, that's why you're getting beat up. So you have to understand when you speak, let's say you speak the word of God one or two times or said a prayer one or two times and you're in a battle. Think of, I don't know with the age of your audience, but when I was growing up, I used to watch with my dad, Conan the Barbarian, Auto Sorifice. You got the latest one, uh, Game of Thrones, like all this different stuff. Just think of movies or series that have sword fights. If they were to swing that sword and you got this whole field of of soldiers and enemy out there if you were to swing that sword one or two times and just put it down you're going to die they're going to kill you and when you just say one or two quick prayers or one or two prayers and then going your way and you still in in the war you're gonna lose so the 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 amount of times that you're speaking the word of god and living it that's how many times you're thrusting that sword to cut the enemy and to get the enemy to thrust back and when I went through this two-year ordeal, baby, I was praying every single day, living the word every single day. And I would be living it even if I wasn't in warfare. But it, it was every day. It was constant, in addition to fast, in addition to some other stuff. But I'll just keep it to what we're talking about as far as the armor. This was every day that I was using that sword, praying often throughout the day to cut and thrust the enemy back. And baby, I was swinging and wielding and wielding and wielding and wielding and wielding. And there were some days I could tell they was like, all right, we're going to take a break for a moment, but we coming back. And sure enough, they back. I'm like, okay, Lord, what's the strategy? Let's go. And wielding, wielding, wielding. So during a war, to speak one or two prayers and go on with your life is equivalent to wielding your sword one or two times than sitting the sword down while the enemy is still trying to take you out. You are going to be overcome. You're going to be defeated. To wield the sword of the spirit, you must constantly speak the word of God and constantly obey the word of God 
Um, and let me say swing because you got to constantly obey to the day you die. So when I say the next part, mm -hmm. I'm not talking about stop obeying the word of God. But you got to constantly be living the word of God and speaking the word of God until you're the last one standing and the enemy has lost. However, when the enemy leaves, as we saw with Christ, he is eventually going to come back at a more opportune time. Because remember, spirits cannot die. And I just got that question on Monday from a student as I'm teaching on I'm teaching a series called War Book. And it's a whole series on war, how you fight. And this lesson that I'm teaching now is just a small portion of that lesson. And so he asked a really good question. He was like, I don't want to ask a dumb question. And I'm like, no question's dumb. What's the question? So he's like, you know, as we're warring against the enemy, what's happening? Are the spirits dying? Like, what's happening? And I'm like, that's a really great question. They're not dying. What you're doing is overcoming them. You're defeating them. You're getting them to retreat, to back off. And, and Satan's kingdom, it's a whole rank and file. So if they don't accomplish their task, you know they're going to get in trouble with Satan because he mm -hmm. is a cruel master. So it's all kind of stuff, repercussions they're going to have to face. But the spirits don't die. So it's not like you're eliminating them and, yeah. you know, they're vanquishing and gone. So they will eventually come back, but it may be a different spirit. I'm sure they're going to send a stronger spirit because that one couldn't get the job done. And think about it. We as human beings are weak, mere just individuals. It says that spirits are strong and mighty. So think about the ones that left God's kingdom and now they're evil. All spirits, whether they're angels, whether they're on Satan's kingdom, they're all stronger than us. What makes us strong is the Holy Spirit. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you got nothing. And because we have the power of God, we have a greater power than they operate in. But just think, little old me beat up on some demons and satanic powers they're going to get in trouble with Satan. Because you let little old Tremiko whoop your butt, oh, you in trouble. Now, we're going to have to send a stronger spirit after her. You you done. Sit back. We're going to send a stronger spirit. And that's what's happening. They're like, okay, we got to call the big dogs up now because this one, no word. They're not playing games. They're not playing church games. They know they stuff. So now we got to send the big boys. And that's what you want, in a sense. It's a, it's a compliment but it don't feel yeah, like I know. when you in the battle. <laughs> the, the war gets more, more, uh, um, in, I don't know, more brazen or two. It's just like more bold. You know, um, I wanted to touch on something. You said there's no such thing as a dumb question, but I used to have a host on here. His name was Robert Chambers and Miko. There was dumb questions all the time. <laughs> so, I'm hoping whoa, whoa, Robert's whoa, watching. Robert, if you watch it, because I know if you watch it. You can't be bullying Robert when he ain't even here to defend himself. Every week it was a dumb question. <laughs> Go on. I was going to try to say it with a straight face, but it didn't work. Be nice. Uh, yeah, I'll be nice. Miko, you have not been on a show with the two yeah. of them. Yeah, no, she has. No, she I, has. Yeah, you have actually. You, know, you have been on a show with the two of them. Yeah, yeah, that's how it that's started. How it started. That's <laughs> yeah, you know. Okay, I wanted to touch on this thing with the battle, and I know this is from my own personal experience too. You can get really, really tired in the battle, okay. and you know, I think of a movie like what was the one with uh, Russell Crowe? Is that Gladiator? Yeah. In, okay, so Gladiator. I mean, that's a bloody movie. You know, they're stabbing. Or 300, I think, is another one. Like, I, that's what I think of when you think of these battles, right? Yep. And it is intense. It and is. if you are if you lose your balance or you're not paying attention for one second, they got you, right? Dead to left. But I, we need to really, uh, Christians really need to think like they're actually in a battle because they are in a battle. And this has yep. been my struggle in my own personal life is sometimes I'll just say, be like, 
okay, yeah, it's it's got to be something else. It can't be that. But it is that. And that's what the enemy wants you to do. He wants a moment of weakness where he can come in and, and tear you apart. Remember, mm-hmm. Jesus told Peter, Peter, Satan wants to sift you. Sift you. Mm-hmm. Sift you. <laughs> that's not a good yep. thing to be that's sifted. Not. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's like a, a lot of little pieces. Um, so, you know, it's, we have to think like that. The mentality has to change from this, like, okay, I, in the name of Jesus Christ, you're gone, right? And be gone. And we think it's over. Like, it's not, it's, it's not that simple. It it is a war. It's attrition, just like you said. Yep. And I think that's really good. What you just said, you know, because you're right. It's hard trying to get people to see you're in a war, whether you want to be in it or not. As soon as you said, I want to be born again and I want to be a child of God. You got to, everybody got a target on their back, whether you out there baptizing people, delivering people, and you got a target on your back. Now, those of us that are out there, like you said, you know, doing the good work, we're going to have more of a target on our back, but we're all supposed to be disciples of Christ doing something, sharing the word of God with people, encouraging them to come to Christ and turn their life around and come out of sin. We are a threat to the kingdom of darkness because they need people ignorant of this truth so that they can overpower them and have their souls go straight to hell. And so when people just think, oh, I'm just a normal human being. I just wake up every day, you know, go to work, take care of my family. I don't want to be in a war. You're going, and here's the thing. You may not feel the heat coming so much on you because they already know we got you. I don't have to try as hard to overcome someone when they're helping me overcome them versus a Gino that's out there doing podcasts and forming everybody doing this and doing, okay, we got to shut that brother down. So we got to employ more troops directed towards Gino than we will towards Sarah. Cause Sarah, she ain't doing nothing. So we can send the, the small army after her. Actually, we can just send the baby demon after her. He'll conquer her. But that Gino, <laughs> that Matthew, no, 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 no. We well, gonna I... have to employ more. Let me just tell you, when you deal with the children stuff that we're dealing with, our team, we were literally just talking about this this afternoon. Me and the, and the girls were talking about this. I said, I said, I have never experienced warfare like I have in the last two years since I got involved with tra- the human trafficking issue in children. Yeah. Yeah. Holy cow. Because you're touching Moloch. This goes back, you know, this isn't just something in yeah, modern you're dealing times. with this, one of the big boys. Yeah. yeah. And so you have to really be <laughs> prayed up and living it right. And, you know, and just like you said, putting on the armor, it is, it's, it's hard. It can be really yeah. hard. And he has gone after me personally with some, some attacks and it's been a yeah. rough go, but you know, I know God's already shown me that I have a victory, but yeah, it's rough. Adam, that's a good point. Battle like Jehoshaphat. He said, start with prayer, fasting and praises to God. David did too. David, yeah. you know, all the, it, you see the greats in the Bible and, and that's what they did giving him praise and honor and glory, worshiping him first. Um, and then they go out and battle and win. Absolutely. Because if God's for you, who can be against you? Absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. And again, like um, your listener just said, all of these things are important. Um, and we're just going through the armor, right? But there's weapons that we have. I talk about and not like the praise and worship, then there's the fast and there's the blood of Jesus. There's the name, there's the Holy spirit. Like there's all these different weapons that he's given us and all of it comes together for the war, right? We use different things like a tool belt. And at any given moment you pull what you need and just start using those things. But, um, 
we just got to get people up to speed because it, it breaks my heart to see people just defeated in life. And we're supposed to be victorious. Like God has already given us the victory through Jesus. And yeah, that's why I love to be a teacher because that's my job is to speak the word of God, which is truth. That's the only thing that's truth, what God said. And to make sure people as best as they can are in a position where God can give them that revelation. Cause I don't give people revelation. I just give them the word and God gives me a certain way to teach that so that he can come in and give the revelation. Like Paul said, one one plants another waters, but it's God that gives the increase. And so God wants to increase the people so that we are that victorious body that will represent him in this earth, but then help bring other people into the fold. So, um, yeah, really, really good. So we got one more. One more. Okay. Almost there. So, so, um, just listen carefully because I know people (laughs) got their sores ready to come out. I'm just speaking word of God. I'm going to go through this and I'm going to try to lay it out as best as I can. Um, so let's just go. So let's talk about praying in the spirit. Now, let me talk about what I have heard in the past, like just coming from different places of where people were in their mindset of what they thought prayer in the spirit was. And I don't even know if I can describe it. I think people, the best I can describe it is people thought that prayer in the spirit was, you know, I I can't even describe what they thought it was because it was wrong. And I just don't know why they thought it was. Let me just teach what it is. Let me do that. But people have a wrong concept of what praying in the spirit is. I do know that. So um, let me just first talk about this and then we'll start to divulge everything and dissect everything in scripture. So prayer, as we should know, is just communication with God. And one thing I do want to say about prayer is a two-way street. We should not just be talking, 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 talking and don't listen because God got something to say. So it's a two-way street. We speak, he listens, he speaks, we listen. So prayer is just communication with God. Who is our help? And when we're talking about war, God is the general. So he's the one that's going to give us the strategies, the tactics, and all of that. That's not our job to come up with that. We're followers. We're always supposed to follow God. So he gives us that, which means in prayer, I'm saying some stuff to him, but I also got to be listening so I can know, okay, what we doing next? Because in war, God calls audibles. He gives you rhema word. He's like, okay, let's do this. But then there's also the logos word. It's a mixture. So, and you got to be flexible because some people just like to stay in the same vein and do the same thing. We did it like this yesterday. We're going to do it like this today. We're going to do it like this tomorrow. No, 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 Every Everything is different. And in this series that I've been teaching, we see that every time that there was a battle, God did something different. He did it a different way, he told them to do something different. So we can't get stuck in this routine of, let me just get this one little template and follow that. You're going to lose because it's ever changing as the battle progresses. So we got to be able to hear from God. So praying in the spirit is prayer where our spirit is talking directly to God, who is a spirit, because we learned in John 4 and 24 that God is a spirit. So it's our spirit talking directly to God, who is a spirit, allowing us to pray exactly what is needed because our carnal self cannot interfere with this since it is a spirit to spirit connection and prayer and you're able to avoid asking for carnal things and praying amiss and all these different things that's why i love praying in the spirit which is also called praying in the holy spirit which could also be praying with tongues which is different from the gift of diverse tongues 
So we're going to look at scripture in just a second, but let me just explain it this way. When you study scripture, there is the gift of the Holy Spirit that is given to those who decide to come to Christ. The gift is the spirit, not the tongues. The tongues comes with the gift and you will see this in scripture. So it's just like, if I say it this way, if you go to a sneaker store, Foot Locker, you don't say, let me get that sneaker and I'll purchase the tongue separately. The tongues come with the sneaker. It's a one package deal. So when you're baptized with the gift of the Holy Spirit, that comes with speaking in tongues. And speaking in tongues is not something, I hate the way church people teach us because they make it so spooky and scary and people are like, I don't want that. That's of the devil. No, speaking in tongues is just you, God giving you the supernatural ability to speak a language you didn't study to learn. Sometimes it's a, a language that some people speak in a different country currently, but you don't know it. You didn't study to learn it. Or it could be a language of a dead civilization that don't speak it no more. There, do you know how many languages there are and have been in the world? He just picks one and give it to you. Somebody's tongue is English. That is in some far remote place that has never even spoken it or, or heard it. And when you look at the day of Pentecost, there were Jews from all other nations, which means they all spoke different languages. They didn't speak the same language. And when they heard the Galileans, they were like, they speak in our language. Some was speaking this language, another was speaking that language, another was speaking this language, another one was speaking that language. They had received the gift of the Holy Spirit that came with tongues. And those tongues is to only talk to God, no one else. Now, when you get into 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it goes into the various gifts of the spirit. One of those gifts is called, you can't break this up. The name of the gift is diverse tongues or different tongues. That is a gift to talk to people and communicate a message to them. The way that can work is in one or two ways. One way is that you're in a church service. Nobody knows that language. The person gets up, grabs the microphone, starts speaking in tongues to people, not to God, because this is the gift not the tongues that came with the Holy Spirit, which is the gift. So you speak to the congregation in tongues, either that same person, God is going to give them the interpretation, or they're going to sit down, God is going to give the interpretation to a different person. They grab the mic and give the interpretation, speaking to the people. And people are like, oh, that's what God said. Another way that this can happen, a woman gave a testimony. She is an American. She does not know Russian. She went over to Russia to minister. She had a translator during the first service because she don't know Russian and she don't understand it. After that message, she took a break because there was going to be another evening service. And when she was in the hallway, a woman approached her and then God instantly gave her the ability to operate in the gift of diverse tongues, but then also interpretation of tongues. So she perfectly spoke a message to this woman in Russian, not knowing how to speak Russian language. And then when the woman spoke back to her in, in her Russian language, she understood the language. After that exchange, she could no longer speak Russian. She could no longer understand Russian. When she went to the second service, she had the interpreter and she was talking to the person. So the gift of diverse tongues is to speak to people. All the gifts is to minister to people. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, that comes with the sign of tongues. That's only to talk to God. And let me say this. There's a scripture, I think it's Romans 14 and 12, which says God has given to every man the measure of faith. All of us has been given the measure of faith. 
But then if you look in that same book of chapter 12, there is a gift of faith, which is different from the faith that everybody gets. So what God wants you to see, it's different. Everybody gets faith, but then there's a different type of faith that he will put in people to operate as he wills. Just like there's a difference between the tongues that you get when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit to only speak to God. And we're going to see that in scripture versus the gift of different kinds of tongues, because he's going to change that tongue as he wills for you to speak to a different audience as the need arises. So there's differences. So people confuse that. And I used to confuse that a lot. And the Lord had to sit me down and was like, uh-uh, we can't be confused on this. We got to get this right because we got to get the teaching right. So let me go forward with that understanding. We're going to, we're talking about praying in the spirit, which is the ability to pray in tongues to talk to God, which comes with the gift of the Holy Spirit. The tongues isn't the gift. The Holy Spirit is the gift, which comes with this sign because there's a sign he gives. How do you know you baptized with the spirit if you don't even have a supernatural sign? You, now you guessing? Well, that's not how fear and doubt can come in because I'm not sure. I guess it happened. God would never leave you to guess. And, and I will tell you this before I go forward. Every person that I work with, and, and I already know. So here's the thing. I'll give a quick testimony because Gino doesn't probably even know this. He sent a young lady to me uh, for deliverance. And that's all this was supposed to be. And here's what God always does to me. You know what your job is and you better do it. He gets stern with me when it comes to like, I was like, yes, sir. Yes, God. All right, so I had to figure out why I'm on, never met her from Adam. And we on the phone talking the first time. I got to figure out how to change this from a deliverance conversation to you need to get born again conversation so that this deliverance can stick. And we had this conversation after I laid all the scriptures out. She was like, I can't deny it. Let's do it. All right. Now let me see. Do I try to find somebody to get to you in Florida? And the Lord was like, that is not what I told you to do. You started this, you're going to finish this. So I'm like, okay. Again, don't know her. Can I fly you up from Florida to come here? She could have been like, girl, no, I don't know you. She, and she knew it was God though. And God told her, go. So she said, absolutely. Flew her up here. Uh, after that whole conversation on the phone, and we did Google Meets after a certain point so we could talk, I had, went through all the scriptures, but she still had questions in her mind when she got up here. We went, she got up here on a Friday. We went to dinner that Friday evening. So she was like, I still got questions on this whole tongue thing. I don't understand it. And we're going to go through scripture in just a second that I went through with her because it's a part of this teaching. And like after that dinner, like she looked at me and she was like, oh my God, I understand. I get it. That makes so much sense. The way that you broke that down according to scripture. So she's like, I'm ready. So I'm like, okay, great. So that Saturday I picked her up. And I'm like, how soon are you going to receive the Holy Spirit? She was like, oh, immediately. Because that's what the scriptures say. That's how you get it. And it was a night and day difference. Like the Lord. So I was like, all right. Okay. So Gino came to the baptism and got her in water, took her down, baptized her in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of her sins, pulled her up. And I was waiting to hear from the Lord because I'm like, do we start deliverance or do I go into prayer for the Holy Spirit? I waited like a few seconds and the Lord was like, go. And I can't tell you how, but I can, it's spiritual. It's not like I see something, but I do see something on the mouth. And I was just like, so I put my hand on her. I said, be baptized in the, uh, in the Holy Spirit, Lord, saturate her. 
first word. She opened up her mouth. Oh, man. It was like for 10 minutes straight. It was unbelievable. Yeah. And and the thing is, she was so concerned because before we had that conversation, she was like, but what if it doesn't happen? And her concern was, you spent all this money to fly me up here, put me in a hotel. I feel like I got to perform. And the Lord had me be like, no, this is not about a performance. It's about nothing. All you got to do is believe God and just yeah. open your mouth when I, it's coming. And, and I saw her when she started speaking, I saw the big smile on her face because she knew. She was like, oh my. And this happens all the time with people who either didn't believe or doubt. And she said that Satan had someone send, teach her that speaking in tongues was of the devil. So that yeah. was another big concern that she had as I was teaching her scripture and she had to overcome all of that doubt and all of that fear to get to this place to receive what God had for her so that because she's a part of this human trafficking fight. She needs yep. every bit of power, every bit of mm -hmm. everything. And so she also received deliverance and that's a process too to walk out. But so I just wanted to give that as a testimony. Um, I'm not just up here just saying stuff. No, I've been I witnessed it. Yep. Yeah. And I speak to her every day. We were just talking this afternoon about spiritual warfare and all that stuff. So, and I got my own personal testimony is I, I went to a Pentecostal church when I first got saved and you know, they were always trying to get everybody to talk in tongues, come in the back. We'll teach you how to, you know, uh, and yeah. I'm just like, you know, and you're young, you know, you don't know the difference. And so, yep. and I'm like, I don't get this. This is just weird. Okay. <laughs> and so, we'll and it was you. weird. Yeah. yeah. But it's so one night, um, I can't, I was reading scripture and I can't remember. It might've been in Romans. Maybe, maybe it was actually, yeah, it was Romans. I know it was Romans. Um, I think it was Romans eight. And I was just, and I, I grasped, you know, I'm a new Christian and I grasped grace for the first time. Like I really understood it at its core. And I was blown away and I'm sitting there on my couch and I'm just like, whoa, like, how come I never knew this? this is the best thing ever, you know? And, and all of a sudden, like the spirit, I just felt like the spirit of the Lord come upon me and I just start like talking in tongues. And now mind you, I was doubting this before. Like I was like, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of weird. I don't know yep. if it's true or not. Maybe it is, maybe yep. it isn't. And, and for, I don't know how long it went on, maybe 10, 15 minutes. And I, and I was I, evidently I was confessing sins because I just felt like loads of baggage coming off me just one after another. And it was, I told my wife the next day this, and she wasn't a Christian yet. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. The greatest thing happened last night. And she's like, that's weird. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, yes, it is weird, but it was amazing. Like, I feel so good. Like I feel so free, you know? And like, I, and, you know, it's funny looking back. Cause I was only, gosh, I was maybe six months into my walk, you know? Maybe even younger, I don't know. But God opened up that avenue because I was hungry, first of all, for him. Um, and I was being obedient and I was reading the word. And he just said, you know what, son, I'm going to show you something. <laughs> it was so cool. And so ever since then, you know, and look, I'm not going to lie. It is weird sometimes. I don't, it's, but you know what? If you're hearing a foreign language, that's weird too. Because it's not, you're like, what the heck are they talking about? You know, like, have you ever... Have you ever been in, <laughs> this has probably happened to all of us, you've been in a party store and they're speaking Arabic. Now I'm Arabic, but I don't speak Arabic. So I have no idea what they're talking. And if they don't want you to know something, they just start speaking in that language. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're like, you're like, this is awkward because <laughs> they yep. might be saying something about me. I don't know. Exactly. Um, That's always so the I, thought. Yeah. <laughs> That's always yeah. the thought. They're definitely talking about talking me. About me. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Yeah. They but can it be is, talking I mean, about what's for dinner, but they're talking about yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. 
it is weird. I get it. Like there's, there's, I get it. There's going to be people that watch or whatever. And they're just like, ah, it's too weird for me. Okay. I I, look, I totally get it. But I would say this, pray, ask God, say, Lord, I really, is it real or isn't it? I want to know. There's, there's actually scientific studies, um, of showing the brain's activity during tongues. And it's, I think this is a long time ago. I think it was the frontal lobe which speech does not come from. I might be mixing yeah. this up, whatever it was. No, you're right, was, you're right. Was actually activated during tongues. And they're like, wait a minute, that's not even where speech comes from. Yep, yep. So it was, yep. you know, you can even kind of, you know, show things scientifically, not that yep. I care about science and my faith, but just, you know, for anybody <laughs> that's interested. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Okay, so I wanted to give that long explanation. So as we go here, people can slice the difference. I'm not talking about the gift of diverse tongues. That everyone does not operate in that that is as god wills he picks different people but the speaking with tongues part that is something for every person that is born again according to scripture and we could always do a teaching another day but isn't that what paul said i i wish that all would speak in tongues isn't that what he did and it also says in matthew chapter a lot of people break this up and god had to like um correct me on this because he was like why do you keep breaking this up um matthew chapter 16 you have to read verse 16 and 17. What most people do with either read verse 16 or they'll start with verse 17. But he says that, uh, he talks about those that are baptized, those that believe and are baptized shall be saved. But those that don't believe will be condemned because if you don't believe, you're not going to go on and get baptized. And then verse 17 says, and these signs shall follow those. It's talking about everybody that believe. Well, who are the people that believe? You got to go back to verse 16. Those who believe and are baptized because you're getting baptized in water and spirit. So then he says in 17, uh, these signs shall follow those that believe. They shall cast out devils. But then the next one was they shall speak with new tongues. That's everybody. So it's not Tremiko just making stuff up. This is what your God said. So every, and this is what I tell people, you have to get to the point. Either you believe everything God says, or you're going to cherry pick and say, well, nah, that doesn't float my boat. So I don't believe in that. So, you know, take your time. I employ you, like Gino said, pray about that, but go back and read scripture. Um, And my thing is, I want to know what God said. I don't know. I want to know what people say. I don't know. Want to know just what the pastor came up with or whatever like that. What Show me scripture. If you're teaching, show me scripture. And if you can show me a litany of scriptures where God is saying the same thing and you're not just taking one isolated scripture and making a doctrine out of that, all right, he said it, I'm about to flow in it. So, okay. So with that stated, we're talking about praying in the spirit. So this is the sign of tongues that comes with the baptism of the Holy Spirit that every person gets when they're baptized in the spirit. So why is praying in the spirit a part of our armor? Why is it so important? Let's take a look at that. So we're going to start out in Romans chapter eight, and I'm going to read verses 26 to 27 in the CEV version. I don't know if you have that, if you can go there, um, go to, if possible. Um, you know, I, this is just screenshots that I have up. So oh, just, okay. Okay. Yeah, I'll sorry. just read what I have, but you can keep that there. You know um, what? I did see- actually, you know what? I screwed up. I did have Roman CJB here in my thing, but I just put the wrong one up. So sorry. Go That's ahead. Okay. And- Yep. That's okay. Yep. So in Romans 8, 26 to 27, I'm just going to read the CEV version, which um, says, in certain ways, we are weak. 
but the spirit is here to help us. For example, we don't know what to pray for. Um, when we don't know what to pray for, the spirit prays for us. So we know we got to pray, but sometimes you don't even know what words to speak. You just know you need to pray. That's the perfect time to start praying in tongues. And I'll go more into this in a moment. But when we don't know what to pray for, the spirit prays for us in ways that cannot be put into words. All of our thoughts are known to God. He can understand what is in the mind of the spirit as the spirit prays for the people. So I'm getting ready to link this scripture with the next one. What we have to understand is that when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, what's literally happening is that God pours out of his spirit and puts that inside of your human spirit to make you alive because you were dead in trespasses. I like to say we're the walking dead until you become born again because that spirit is dead in sin and trespasses. As soon as we're baptized in the spirit, we get the power of God and the nature of God in our spirit. And so that Holy Spirit inside of our spirit will direct us on what words to speak in a language we didn't study to learn so that we can't mess this up and it's not going through our mind for us to filter and be like, I don't want to say that. I'm going to ask for this. No, it's bypassing your thoughts because you don't even know what you're saying. And the spirit is causing your spirit man to speak using natural words in a language you don't know to pray the mind of God because God knows what's happening in the war. You don't, you got a ground level view. He have a bird's eye view. So he see what's coming. He see where the, the traps are. So he's like, okay, I'm gonna cause you to pray in tongues through my spirit. You got to do it. He's not going to make you do it though. So let me make sure I'm working stuff right. As you start to pray in tongues, his spirit is going to guide you on what to pray. It's just going to come out in a different language you didn't study to learn. So what, what I want to point out here in this verse, before we connect it to the next one, the spirit helps us to pray because we don't know what words we need to speak. I don't, I don't even know what's going on in the battle. All I know is I, I don't like this, but I don't know what the attack is. Is it coming from the left, the right, the back, the side? God knows. So he's going to cause the spirit to tell me what to say in prayer so that I can pray that to God and we can be in communion with each other. Okay. So that's the first thing. Let's connect this to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 9 through 13 in the New King James. So here I'm going to read it, but I'm going to unpack it in just a second. It says, but as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. So we don't know these things except apart from the spirit, because we can really learn this. Verse 10 says, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. Pause. If you don't have the spirit of God, if you're not baptized in the spirit, you can't know the things of God. That's why it is essential that we get baptized in the spirit. So then it goes on to say, for the spirit search of all things. Yes, the deep things of God, because the spirit is God. He know his own mind. And he's the only one that can reveal it to you. So 11 says, for what man knows the things of a man, except the spirit of the man, which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God, except the spirit of God, because the spirit of God is him. He know his own stuff. Nobody can reveal that to us except him. 
12 says, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, because he is God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. So let's connect this to the Romans. God is the only one that knows his mind. God is the only one that knows. So God sees the whole landscape. He knows everything. He's omniscient. All of that is in his mind. Well, how can I get as God my mind into Geno? Let me baptize him with the Holy Spirit. And now that I'm in him, I can start to communicate with him. And as he starts to pray in the spirit, because that's the only way you can pray in tongues, is the spirit gives you the words to utter, but you have to use your lips, your voice, and your mouth to speak that out. It's a, it's a, it's a partnership is what you need to see. So God reveals his mind of what he knows and sees coming up in this war and says, I need Gino who's in the earth to pray this because as a spirit, if we go back, and I don't know if I taught this here, but I taught spiritual laws, God just can't come in and start doing stuff because he would be breaking his own word. We have to invoke him. We have to invite him through prayer. But I need you to pray the right stuff so I can come as God. So as a spirit in you, I'm gonna give you what to pray. And as you pray, that's going to set an atmosphere for me to come in now because we're in agreement and I can start doing some stuff. But at the same time, I can reveal some stuff to you and give you a rain of word, because that is another thing. When you pray in the spirit, that is the quickest way to enter the spirit realm. And that goes back to what you said, Gino, about the scientific studies. The speaking in tongues does not come from is left brain, right brain. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think right brain is where the creativity comes from and left brain is where the analytical side i, I get yeah, that wrong it, one it might be vice versa i don't remember okay yeah. so mm -hmm. whichever is the right one but speaking in tongues comes from the creative side it doesn't come from the li li linguistic side and so when you start studying what is the quickest way to like get in touch with god it's not through your logical your logical will always block you got to learn how to get on the creative side. That's why, like, if you look at nature or pictures or things like that, it helps to just take you out of that logical mind so you can connect with God. Well, speaking in tongues comes from that side of the brain. And when you start to speak in tongues, that is the quickest way. And I promise you to enter the spirit realm. You just whoosh, you in the spirit. And now it's easier to start to hear God as he's speaking to you. I get more stuff when I pray in tongues from God. He's like, yep, this is what you need to know. Yep, this is what you need to do. And now when I come out of that prayer time with him and come back into this realm, I know what to do. I know what I got to do. So the mind of God is revealed to you because he sees all of the enemy's plans. And think about this. There's an enemy right now in the secret corner whispering things. God hears that. Like you don't even have to be concerned because when I was going through my two-year ordeal, like the family would be getting together at each other's houses. And I knew they was plotting against me, Gino and Matt. And I was just like, I need to be in the room. What are they saying? And the Lord was like, Tremiko, calm down. I got this. I'm God. I'm everywhere. I'm, 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 I'm omnipresent and I'm omniscient. So I'm listening to everything they saying. And when you spend time with me in prayer, I'm gonna let you know what you need to pray when you pray in tongues. And I was just like, oh yeah. Okay, great. Let me calm down. And I'm telling you, oh, yeah. we got advantages, y'all, if you using this. And everything I'm saying 
if you're not praying in tongues and you don't have this or baptized in the spirit, this is a big part of the armor that you're losing. So I need you to see how this is so effective as an armor to protect you. So the two go together. His spirit in me knows the mind of God because it's him. Everything he knows, he heard the enemy planning against you, plotting against you. As I start to go into tongues and pray, it's the spirit giving me the words to pray. Because when they got filled in the upper room, it said they started speaking in tongues as the spirit gave them utterance. They used their mouth to speak, but the words came out from the Holy Spirit guiding them and it came out in a different language. So I want to connect those two scriptures. You need to be baptized in the spirit to speak in tongues to God to pray. But as you do that, it is going to be God revealing what he knows to your spirit. And it's going to come out of your mouth in a different language. Because when you're praying in tongues, we're getting ready to see in the next scripture. It's your spirit praying. It's not the carnal side of you praying. We're trichotomy. We are a soul. We have a spirit. And we live in a body. It said that in Genesis 2 and 7, God formed man from the dust of the ground. That's the body. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. That's the spirit. And then it said he became a living soul. Your soul is comprised of your personality, your mind, your will, and your emotions. He says in scripture that the soul that sinneth shall die, that the soul that does this, because you are a soul. And when you die, that soul is going to go either to, to heaven or hell. So when it comes to this whole thing, it is the spirit part of us that is talking back because that's that breath of life, that activity that he gave us. And when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, the spirit enters the spirit man, not your soul. Okay, so let's go forward. Let, let me okay. interrupt oh. just for a second because there's yeah. the argument on the other side is always this. Well, why would God, when you're saved, not give you the whole thing? Why would he hold back and not give you the baptism of the spirit at the same time? And I've thought about that. I've, I've you know, there's, I have different thoughts with our free will and some other things. And the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. So that, you know, you have that. But it seems to me like to go deeper into God, he, he wants us to draw into relationship. And so as you mature in your faith, like maturing in faith is actually just getting closer to God. It's not getting smarter. Yeah, you might yeah. gain wisdom. Of course, you gain wisdom and, and you know scripture better. But it's this intimacy thing. That's maturity. Because that's where obedience comes from. And yeah. so I think that's probably, I, that's my best guess why it's it's that way. It's not all packaged at the beginning when you're just a babe in Christ. Because you might, you could probably misuse it and, and be prideful with those gifts and um, speaking in tongues and things like that. I don't know. What, what's your thoughts on that? Well, what I have seen is, and I hate to go back this way, but it typically falls on the person that's introducing it to you, right? So whether it's the evangelist, whether it's the pastor, whether it's the bishop, whether it's whoever, right? Um, because I used to think that too, like, okay, okay you're right. It's it, it's two separate deals, but it goes together because mm -hmm. Christ said you have to have both. When you look in scripture, they were receiving both the same day. What I have found is if the person witnessing to you doesn't have the... If they're not at the, the 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 level that they need to be in God to be able to minister both, then you're not going to get both. But once God sat me down, because I was not about this whole evangelizing, witness. I'm y'all probably not going to believe me, but I'm really an introvert. I only become extroverted when I teach the Word of God, and when I'm not teaching, I'm back introverted. So 
for me, I didn't know how to witness scripture. I didn't know how to witness being born again. Had another come to Jesus moment where he got stern with me and he was like, I need you to get this. Because I didn't realize, we used to have these retreats for the teens and it was two people. Um, they were friends and ended up getting married. Uh, dynamic duo. They would be out just witnessing to every single teen, like you need to be born again. They knew all the scriptures and would go through and explain it. And these people would be getting born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in Jesus' name. And I'm just like, and I was a minister with a certificate at a church and they weren't. And the Lord's like, shame on you. They out here doing a thing, you better get it together. And I didn't realize that they were getting ready to move to another state and he was gonna have to use me to start doing it. So I went to them and got every single scripture about salvation that they that they had learned from God, studied it, and then really sought God about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. How do people get baptized in the Holy Spirit? Like the whole thing. Once I understood the water part and the spirit part, Everybody I minister to, I'm not even playing unless they are just very analytical and it's just really hard for them. That's the people I see struggle with this. Other than that, everybody that I minister to, they receive a spirit speaking in tongues and water baptism the exact same day in the pool. So it goes back to what I've seen. And I have been around people who minister, like you said, in the prayer room and let's pray, let's get you baptized. And they do not have that success ratio because they either have something that needs to be tweaked in their mindset to get there. Um, I've, I used to hear them tell people, well, you know, God wasn't ready today. Um, don't go away discouraged. When he's ready, it'll happen. God's like, no, I said that the time for salvation is right now. That Again, you're saying something different than what I said as God. And so when I started to learn that, it all went together. When I'm ministering to somebody, this is not something you're going to get later. Because remember, in order for someone to come out of sin and stay out of sin, when we come to God, repentance is I make the decision. But I'm going to need power to do this. Otherwise, you're trying to go off Old Testament where you do it of your own self-will. You'll never come out of sin in your own self-will. You have to have the power of the Holy Spirit. So God is not like, you're not mature enough for this. I'm not going to give it to you. He like, let's get this first so you can have the power to actually live this out. It's the teaching that will cause someone to now become in in communion and in, 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 uh, agreement with the spirit. I guess that's the best way I can see it. So in my travels, that is what I've seen because I was a person where it was broken up. It was not at the same time. It was like months later or years later. And the Lord was like, no, 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 little girl. This is not what I said in scripture. This is not how this is supposed to go. Let's get this right. And so that is what I've seen. I don't know if that answers yeah, that, the question. No, that makes, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Uh, Danielle has joined us. I just told her we were, she just missed out. We were talking about her. She doesn't mind okay. us using her name. Um, okay. Also, um, Stack said earlier, um, and I'm not sure what he was referring to. This was a while ago. He said, um, oh, where'd it go? Oh, does that mean the spirit and the mind are intertwined? So the so best I'm, way... Oh, good, good question. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. So the best way I can put this as um, is as so when the spirit, when the Holy Spirit speaks to your human spirit, the way because remember that scripture said that the soul and spirit are so closely intertwined mm -hmm. that only the word can separate. So when the when God speaks to us, he's not speaking to our soul. He's speaking to our spirit. But our mind will register that 
and it'll come off as a thought. That's how you have to learn your thoughts from God speaking to you from Satan and demons speaking to you. Because a lot of this comes across as thoughts and it may sound like your voice. And then there are times where it may not, you know, and some people have the rare experience of actually hearing God's voice, which is, I think, super cool. But, you know, some people yeah. like it ain't. <laughs> but um, I, I've, I've always <laughs> thought that the, the mind is kind of the connector between the spirit and the physical world, too, because yeah. the brain, the brain is obviously the gray matter just stuck between your skull. And that's the kind of the antenna, right? It's receiving the message yeah. itself. But the spirit and the mind, the mind goes with you into the afterlife. Whether you, yeah. you go to hell or you go with, with God forever in heaven and on the new earth, that's going to go with you. You're, you are still the same person. It says you will know, you're known as you were known. Um, so that is you. That's essentially who you are, who God created you to be. Um, now, we can transform the mind. We can renew the mind daily. And that's what we're called to do as Christians so we can overcome. Um, so I would say, yes, they're intertwined. Um, and, but it's, it's a thing. It needs to be trained. It needs to be disciplined. It needs to be whipped <laughs> over and over again because if, if you let that thing go on loop, man, it is ugly. It's a really ugly place. Um, it's funny because Matt knows um, <laughs> Pastor Lisa. She called me one day. She's very prophetic, and she calls me. This is yeah. back in April, and she's like, she's like Gino, Gino, Gino. She goes, and she barely even knew me at this time. Like I saw her one time, and I, she was on our show once, and and she's like, you know, the Lord. This morning I was getting ready to make a cup of coffee, and the Lord started speaking to me about you. And I'm like, really? So what did he have to say? She's like, oh, she goes, that is a really ugly place. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, your mind. <laughs> I was like, oh, crap. So she's like, you got to start working on that thing. She goes, there is so much going on. You're, you're thinking about this and you're worried about that. And I'm like, yes, I know. I'm working on it. Trust me. It's, it's a, it is a bad place. So if you just let that thing go, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to it's gonna revert back to its natural ways because we live in a fallen world. I always think of it as two chains just like literally bolted to the side of your, your brain going to the ground. It wants to be part of this earth. And we have to supersede that and go to the next level with God and the spirit. And the scripture to back up exactly what you just said is Romans 12 and 2. That we have to renew our minds so that we're not conformed to this world but transformed. If we don't renew the mind, then like you say, it's going to revert back to the old man, the sinful ways, the things of that nature. But what's going to always be right is your spirit because the Holy Spirit is in your spirit. And the spirit is going to always be like, let's mm -hmm. go the direction of God. And as you start to, it's like software. Like if you put it on your phone, the, an app, the app's not going to work until you download it. We got to download the word of God in our mind. So our mind, our soul will link up with our spirit, which has the Holy Spirit and say, we're going to go in this direction. We're not going to go in the direction of sin. So, yeah, they're so closely intertwined, but they are separate. They are two separate things, but closely intertwined. And yeah. so when God speaks to our spirit, our mind will register that. And sometimes it'll come across like as a spontaneous thought. Like I wasn't thinking this, but boom, it just dropped in my mind. Yep. That's God speaking yep. to you. Yep. Yep. Okay. So let me just wrap up. I got four more scriptures, mm -hmm. passages, and then I'll just bring this to a combination. So... Um, so we talked about the spirit helps us as we pray in, in, in tongues to pray the right thing because the spirit is God and only knows the mind of God. So he gives us the information of what we need to pray. It just comes out in tongues. And I said that when we pray in tongues, it's our spirit talking directly to God. So let's see that we're going to go to first Corinthians chapter 14 
and we're going to look at verse 2 and verse 14. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and Oops, we'll look at one. verse 2. Oh, no problem. There we go. Verse 2 and verse 14 in the New King James. So, verse 2 says, For he, talking about the person who speaks in a tongue, does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. Howbeit in the spirit he speaks mysteries. Let me pause and explain this really quickly. When you speak in tongues, again, this says you're speaking to God, which means this is the tongues that comes as a sign that you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. This is not the gift of diverse tongues where you talk to people. Because with these tongues, you shouldn't be talking to people. This is only to talk to God in prayer. And you don't understand what you're saying is a mystery because it's bypassing your carnal mind. You don't know the language. You got no clue what you're saying. Therefore, you can't mess it up and start saying, well, I ain't going to say that. I'm going to pray for this. I want to pray for that. You pray the perfect prayer because it bypasses your carnality. And I love that. Verse 14 says, for if I pray in a tongue. See, I'm praying in tongue. I'm not speaking to people. You don't pray to people. You mm. speak to people. So if I pray in a tongue, who praying? My spirit is praying, but my understanding is unfruitful. Why? I don't know the language. I'm speaking supernaturally. That's how you know you had the Holy Spirit. He's causing you to supernaturally do something you could not do in your own natural ability, which is to start speaking a whole new language, another language that you've never studied. So when I pray in tongues, it's my spirit talking directly to God. And there's a scripture going back to John 4 and 24 that those who worship God in spirit and in truth, that's who he's seeking. This is a spirit part of that. So we see here that our spirit is the one praying to God in tongues through the Holy Spirit, who is in our spirit, giving us the knowledge of what we need to speak in this prayer of tongues, because we don't know what we should be praying for, as Romans told us. So um, let's now go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and 4. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 4 in the New King James. We learn here, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. And the last part says, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Let me break this down. When you're praying in tongues, this is for your own spiritual benefit and enrichment. This is not to talk to other people, as I said. This is to pray and talk to God. When I have spirit to spirit connection with God, oh my God. This is a supernatural spiritual exercise, which means I'm becoming stronger and stronger in the spirit every time I pray in tongues, because this is not a natural type of a prayer. This is a spiritual type of prayer. And the more spiritual things I do, the stronger my spirit man becomes. And so it says that when you speak in tongues, you edify yourself because this is for you and your relationship with God. But it talks about when you prophecy, when you prophecy, you're going to speak in the language of the people and tell them what God said. So that's going to benefit other people. But we're not talking to people when we pray in tongues. We're talking to God. That's why it's a benefit to us. So this is something many people are missing when they're not praying in tongues. You're missing out on spiritual edification. Your spirit man is not getting strong to the strength that it needs to um, because it can only happen in this way through praying. There's a type of edification that only comes, let me say it that way, by praying in tongues. And then the last one we're going to look at is Jude 
1 and 20, and there's only one chapter. Uh, but this is agreeing with 1 Corinthians 14 and 4. This says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. How do I build myself up on my most holy faith? Praying in the Holy Spirit, which is the same thing as praying in tongues. Why? Because this is a supernatural spiritual exercise of the Holy Spirit inside of your human spirit, giving you what you need to utter in prayer because only the spirit knows the mind of God, the things that you need to be praying. And so as the Holy Spirit speaks to your spirit and you start to speak that out and it comes out in a different language, is your spirit talking directly to God. And as you go through that, you're building yourself up on your most holy faith. So let me say this in closing of how you use this, which I've already been saying it, but praying with other tongues simply means God gives you the supernatural ability to fluently speak in another language you did not study to learn. You can see this if you read Acts chapter two, people in the upper room, the other Jews who spoke the other languages was like, I hear every man speaking my language. Yeah, supernaturally, because they're Galileans and they didn't know that language. They started speaking it supernaturally. And then um, and then God gives every person, as I stated before, baptized with the gift of the Holy Spirit, the ability to speak in tongues, that sign comes. Um, and then what I want to close on is this, how do you do, how do you pray in the spirit, which is a part of the armor? The way that you pray in the spirit is to pray with other tongues, often to allow the Holy Spirit to intercede on your behalf. Sometimes we do not know what to pray for and the Holy Spirit inside our spirit can help us with what to pray. That way we can pray the perfect prayer that is needed instead of praying a carnal prayer and praying a mitz. Praying in the spirit also edifies us, meaning that it uplifts us and it is very effective way for us to hear the rhema word of God, which is the now word of God to get divine instructions so that we can have a benefit in warfare. And to close on this, as I stated, God is omnipresent. And what we have to understand is there's a scripture and you can go read this in your own time in second Kings chapter six is verses eight through 12. In this situation, the Israelites were being faced with, and they didn't even realize it. The king of Aram was going to come against them and attack them. He had this whole plan of how he was going to attack them, how he was going to ambush them. And God gave the word to Elijah and told Elijah, hey, go tell the king of Israel, don't send his men this way. Because if he do, the king of uh, Aram is going to come and all the soldiers are right there waiting. And they're going to they gonna take them out because they're not going to be prepared for it. So Elisha goes and tells the king of Israel, and he's like, oh my God, thank you. We're not going to go that way. And many men's lives were saved. So at this point, the king of Aram was heated. And he like, we got a mole on our side. Who over there telling the king of Israel our business, uh, messing up our plans that we was getting ready to go take him out? And the servant said, no, 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 king. Wait a minute, wait a minute. There's no moles over here. Let me tell you what's going on. What's going on is there's a man named Elisha who's a prophet close to God and God speaks to him. God knows the very things that you say in your bedroom chambers and God is taking that information and giving it to Elijah and Elijah gave it to the king. So don't kill none of us because it's God who's snitching on you. Well, same thing. When we are baptized in the Holy Spirit and we start to pray in tongues, God hears, as I said, I knew my neighbor and her whole family was getting together in the house's plotting on me 
And I started getting nervous and concerned, like, oh, I need to know what's going on so I can know how to like maneuver myself. And the Lord was like, chill out. Just like with the king of Aram, I was in his bedroom chamber. I heard everything he said and I snitched on him. I'm listening to everything they're saying and I'm a snitch on them. I'm going to tell you in time of prayer, when you pray in the spirit and we are spirit to spirit and you're going to pray the perfect thing, things that you know not of to, to remove hindrances, blockage, traps that they trying to set for you is not going to work when you pray in the spirit because you can't get this revelation and knowledge just by praying in your native language. So this is the supernatural benefit of how praying in the spirit is a part of our armor that too many people leave out in their teaching. And if we do not have this piece of our armor, which I would say is highly important because it's God giving you secret knowledge that you can't get no other way. I mean, I hope I made that clear. So that, no, that's, that's all the armor. Crystal clear, five by five. But I got to tell you, this is the thing. People, and you'll hear this from Christians all the time. They're like, well, you know, God... God doesn't mind if I do it a little different or I do it my way or whatever. You know what? Yeah, he does. <laughs> He's got an order to things. Um, and I don't know why, but I know his ways are higher than mine and his thoughts are different than mine. So I have to, I have to do, th if I want uh, God to move on my behalf and in his will, he decides to move on my behalf, it's going to be because I participated in his rules. Right. It's his game. He created all things. And there is a reason I there isn't he doesn't just do things because, you know, he wants he gets you know, he he wants to have you run in circles and chase after things. No, he has a certain order to things. And I know that's for me personally, that's been an issue sometimes because I'm like trying to do it my way and trying to go in the back door where he's like, uh, son, no, no, that's just not how it's done. It's this way. Yep. Yep. And, and I don't know why that's hard for us to understand because in real life, you have to follow rules too. Yeah. If you don't follow rules, you don't, you know, climb the company yeah. ladder, you get yeah. thrown in jail. You like, there's, there are consequences. So we have to get yeah. that through our thick skulls that, yeah, you know what? He wants things done in a certain way. Exactly. And I don't know why we'll know on the other side fully, but we don't know. So we just obey him because he knows more than we do. Exactly. Um, so that is the full armor of God, y'all. That's it right there. One more time, we'll show it. Um, man, that was such a thorough teaching. It took four hours. <laughs> four, and I know you sped through that because it's probably yeah. more like a six-hour teaching. Yeah, I, I left some scriptures out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you left a bunch out, I think. And so, I mean, it, I, it was very succinct, though. I mean, I, you know, you go back and watch this. You're going to gain a ton of knowledge on... I don't think you can grasp it all in the first go. Like this no. is something that you just, you know, you listen to again and you're like, or you take bits and pieces of it and you're like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to concentrate on this helmet thing, yeah. you know, or, or I'm going to concentrate on the sword today. And eventually it comes together and you start realizing, Oh, it's, it isn't prayed on. I think the best line Miko out of all of this is you're like, you don't pray your normal clothes on in the morning. <laughs> like It's like my favorite line. Like of, it, no one would ever do that. Like, uh, okay, clothes. Come on. Jesus. Get on there. You're going to yeah. be walking around naked and embarrassed. So yes, you <laughs> it's are. just, yeah, I don't know. It's just awesome. Uh, I love the teaching. It did a great job. Matt, any comments? Birthday boy. By the way, now that we have the full chat here, everybody, it's Matt's birthday. So if you missed it in the beginning, we're going to go ahead and play happy birthday again. Matt is 42 <laughs> years young today. I am. Yes, I am. Oh, it's those guys again. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday.
enjoy that yeah absolutely absolutely it makes yeah. me think of the minions mm, yeah it, I, that's who i thought it was at first but it's not i don't know what that is i i found that on youtube a long time ago in fact i think is uh joyful june still here i don't know if she's lurking or not but uh i think the first time i ever played it might have been for her mm. i can't remember either her or maybe michael my co-host on sunday nights um anyway happy birthday my brother uh thank you, you thank you blessed one keep enjoying it yeah, i know it's been um good a little you know what mika would you mind praying us out oh absolutely. I, I know let me just say i know everybody is going through stuff right now we are in a oh, season yeah. of turmoil and in most of it i know christians don't want to hear this it's chastening we're in a season of chastening and exposure of the enemy and we have to accept the chastening to refine our to refine us so that we're ready for him in the in the task he has for us in this near future. There's gonna be a there's gonna be a harvest so huge, people. We have to be ready. He said the he said the harvest is big, but the harvesters are few. So if if you're ready for what's coming on the other side of this thing, and the church is being sifted, trust me, <laughs> there's a lot of leaders that are not gonna be in place when this is over with. So you know, Miko, if you could just pray, you know, maybe God's peace and comfort over us, uh, that would be appreciated. Thanks. Absolutely. Lord God, we just thank you just for who you are, that you care, that you love us, Lord God, that you are doing everything that you can, Lord God, to um, get us the knowledge that we need so that we can be victorious in you, Lord God. We know, Lord God, that there's a lot of turmoil, there's a lot of unrest in the earth, Lord God, that Satan is ramping it up in his kingdom with his um, wicked you know, workers in the earth, Lord God. And first and foremost, I just pray for your divine protection for all of us that um, are your people, Lord God, and for our families in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord God, that we continue, Lord God, to be strengthened by learning your word and tossing out error and false teachings and um, false doctrines and religion, Lord God, so that we can be in agreement with you to experience that victory. I just pray for comfort for those who, Lord God, may be experiencing fear, may be experiencing hardships um, in this time, Lord God. And I just pray, Lord God, that you continue, Lord God, to speak to them, Lord God, give them direction and instructions and guidance on what they need, Lord God, to overcome in their situations, Lord God. I just pray even right now, Lord God, for Israel, for Ukraine, Lord God, just for everybody, Lord God, even the people in Palestine that are losing their lives, Lord God. I just pray, Lord God, that you will give your people victory in the name of Jesus Christ against the enemy as he comes to try to overtake naturally and also spiritually, Lord God. We just pray that you would even send warrior angels in those regions, Lord God, in those countries, Lord God, to help your people, Lord God, um, in the time of natural battle, Lord God, but then also spiritual battle as well too, Lord God. I just pray, Lord God, that we just really begin um, to be solidified in understanding your armor, Lord God, and that we put on the armor every day, Lord God. I pray that as people go back and maybe listen to these messages, Lord God, that you would open up their understanding, give them revelation, Lord God, that hearts would be changed and attitudes would be changed, Lord God, and that we all, Lord God, would come to this place, Lord God, 
where we're being renewed, where our minds are being shifted, Lord God, and that we all come into this unity, Lord God, of, of really knowing your word and really following your word, Lord God. I bind the hand of the enemy right now. Satan, I bind you and I rebuke you and every demonic force and every satanic power that would try to come against everyone that is on this call and especially even Gino for all the work that he's doing and even Matt, Lord God, and myself, Lord God, and just everyone that is on this um on all the different platforms listening to this teaching lord god i just bind the hand of the enemy from coming against us successfully he's going to come but you said that no weapon formed against us shall prosper and i speak that no weapon formed against us will prosper you said that it that it is our heritage that every word that is spoken against us in judgment and criticisms that it is our heritage to condemn that to speak that it is null and void that it will not uh, bear fruit in our lives so i speak that every plan, every plot, every method, every weapon, every tactic, every strategy, every type of demonic cycle and pattern that the enemy wants to implement in our lives. I cancel it right now. I consume it with the fire of God right now. I lose arrows dipped in the blood of Jesus Christ to rain down and impal every satanic force from Satan on down to the least in his kingdom. In the name of Jesus Christ, Lord God, I pray, Lord God, that you would speak, Lord God, open up your mouth, Lord God, speak your voice, Lord God, blow a strong wind and a, a tempest in the camp of the enemy, Lord God. I pray that you would even smite the camp of the enemy with confusion, that they would turn against each other and attack each other and annihilate each other, Lord God, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord God. And so, Lord God, I just thank you for all these things. I pray, Lord God, for your joy. I lose joy in our lives. I lose peace in our lives. I lose rest in our lives. I pray for whoever is having unrest when they try to sleep, for them to have sweet sleep on this evening. I bind and rebuke the king of terrors. I bind and rebuke every demonic force that will come to send nightmares into people's bedrooms as they sleep. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord God, that you would even lose angels to be in our bedrooms this evening, Lord God, to keep every demonic force at bay and to vanquish every demonic spirit, Lord God, that would seek to even try to put their hands on us and attack us. And I speak victory for all of your people in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, joyful June. So very true. We are all going through so much. It is. I, I don't know anybody, honestly. I know <laughs> when I say nobody, I literally mean nobody. Everybody is dealing with something. And um, it's been hard. I mean, it has been a really, I know, Mika, what you had to go through for two years, you know, and what you had to endure. And I mean, even racist, slandering, just sick things. And, and you, you endured it. And you know, God brought you through it and he's bringing, you know, Matt's dealing with stuff. I'm dealing with stuff where I just, I don't know anybody not dealing with something. So yeah. don't feel alone out there. If you're feeling alone, yeah, you're not, not alone. alone. We're all in it together, but yeah. it's, it's for a greater cause. It's, it, he works all things together for good to those that love him and called according to his purposes. So, uh, Adam said, no coincidence. I had a word about harvesting coming in bigger, faster than we can imagine. Is that, that harvest I'm telling you, I can't, it's, it's going to be exciting times. And, and the thing is, what, what we've sown for the last two years, just here on this channel and other things, you know, other people, like, I know how to get clicks. It's easy to get clicks. If you want to, like, you know, you could talk about, the, there's certain subjects that just get you clicks. And I refuse to do that for clicks, okay? And and I know all of us on this screen and other people I'm working with, we don't care about the clicks. I do care about awareness, and I do want people to understand what's going on with the trafficking. Um, but most of all, I'm to preach the gospel. That's what I'm called to do, and so people to get saved. So... Ultimately, I know when the harvest comes, they're going to be looking for this kind of content. So we're yeah. building catalogs for mm -hmm. both the, the child trafficking and also for preaching. And 
people are going to come in droves and be saved and set free from the garbage they've had to live with in their lives. And uh, it's going to be awesome. Uh, Danielle said, happy birthday, Matt. I don't know if you saw that. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Unlimited and said, I love the Lord. He works in the weirdest ways, always keeps you on your toes and makes, yeah, that is so true. Uh, and thanks, uh, Unlimited Alon, uh, Unlimited Alon, <laughs> Unlimited Anon dropped um, a $10 donation over in Rome. Appreciate that, man. Thank you so much. That is really kind of you and thank you for um, listening tonight. So um, thank you guys. Miko, as always, a pleasure. Thank you so much. It was awesome. Guys, go back and watch the last two episodes. Also, go ahead and check her out on youtube this is their youtube channel gather ministries lots of great content there uh, miko's been doing youtube shorts i've been watching some of those uh, you can also check them out over at gather ministries or i'm sorry gatherinc.org gather ministries um, lots of contact if you want need to reach out to her and get um, especially with like deliverance i know that's kind of their specialty over there her specialty um and Danielle can attest to that. Danielle's in the chat right now. Um, oh, hey, Danielle. So, yeah. Yeah, she said she loves you, and thank you. Um, anyway, check them out over there. And any last words? For Anybody? Me? Anybody. Go with God. No? Keep your head up. Yeah, can't, can't go wrong. Amen to that. Okay, well, great show. God bless everybody. Have a great night. And uh, what is today? Today is Wednesday. Man, it's already Wednesday. <laughs> I can't believe how fast. Okay, so tomorrow night, Rescue the Fosters. Um, we think we have an HHS whistleblower coming on. His name is Chris. We'll see. I, we're still trying to get a hold of him. Is it Chris? No, not Chris. Carlos. Sorry, Carlos. Um, but if we don't get a hold of him, me, Danielle, and Sylvia have some very important things we want to discuss going forward with children so please join us tomorrow night 7 30 rescue the fosters as always also sunday night the blender will return michael was very tired last week didn't get a lot of sleep so we had to um not we had we didn't really cancel because we didn't even schedule but we didn't have our blender show but we will again this sunday 9 p.m eastern standard time so hopefully we'll see you there god bless everybody have a great night miko thanks again matt happy birthday brother thank you thank you yeah have a blessed night everybody take care You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.